Hey, welcome back to the Philosophy Podcast. How are ya? A little homage there to Bill Burr and his podcast. He always starts off with a how are ya. Um, we got a great show today. I think I say that every time, but I mean it every time, so there. Uh, we got Ben Alper, who wrote a book uh, called Thank You for Not Talking, A Laughable Look at Introverts. And I was given this book by Florence, who's the executive director here at Lex Media, not knowing anything about Ben. And as usual, uh, this time I was—I have been really busy, but also I try not to do too much, too much research on my guests because it's kind of fun to get to know someone on air and have that be authentic and have you guys listen in to that so that we're getting to know each other during the process. And that happened today. It was a great conversation. You'll enjoy it. A couple of quick announcements. Zelosophy TV with Uncle Z and Friends is on YouTube. The pilot's getting great feedback. We got a GoFundMe page. Uh, check it out. We are now actively, I just started a couple weeks ago, filming episode one because we've raised some money and I've been able to hire some help to help me on the show. So I'm not doing everything by myself. So go to the GoFundMe page, look up Zelosophy TV. You can help us there. Upcoming appearances, Sunday, March 1st, I'm going to be at the National Golf Expo at the Seaport World Trade Center, Boston, with Hardy from 98.5 The Sports Hub. We'll be talking philosophy on golf and having some fun there, so come and see us. I believe that's at noon on Sunday, March 1st. I'll get the time for upcoming uh, announcements. And uh, Saturday, March 28th, I'm going to be in Nashville doing a philosophy talk on harmony and how we use examples of musical harmony to build a harmonious society. The guys that are bringing me in are Delgado Guitars and Cremona Strings, and they are actively trying to book me at a bunch of schools uh, the week prior to that public talk on the 28th. And the way to do that is we've got to raise some money because they're going into their own pockets to bring me into town. These schools don't have additional budgets for this kind of stuff, so we've got a GoFundMe page there. If you go to GoFundMe and look up Zelosophy, bring, uh, bring Zelosophy to Nashville, I think is the name of the campaign, uh, you can help there. Thanks, as always, to my wonderful producer, Julie Manugian. Um, oh, wait. This is the intro, not the outro. Let's leave that, though. That's kind of funny. It's a, a preemptive thank you to Julie. And uh, we'll just leave that there. So we're going to stop here. And coming up next, you're going to hear me and Ben Alper talking about what it's like to be an introvert. And uh, he's a, it turns out he's a comedy writer. I, th I read this. I read parts of this book and thought, this guy's really funny. He should be a comedy writer. And then right before we went on air, I turned it over, turned over the book, and it says uh, he used to write for Jay Leno and David Letterman. So there you go. He is a comedy writer, and he's coming up next. All right, all right, all right. Here we are. Uh, my guest today is Bennett Alper, who goes by Ben. Hi, Ben. Hello, hello there. Ben is an introvert, uh, as am I. And so we're going to talk about that today. Ben's got a book called Thank You for Not Talking, A Laughable Look at Introverts. And I was telling him off air, and I'll tell him on air now. I won't do you the disservice of telling you I read your book, because I don't like when people do that to me when it's clear they haven't. But... I did flip through the book. It's a very digestible book. 
uh, great for coffee tables and bathrooms. I don't like to read in the bathroom. I think that's gross, but a lot of people do, and so good for them. This is a good b- book to read in the bathroom if you'd like okay. to do that. Well, I'm happy if <laughs> they read it anywhere. Right. <laughs> so um, flipping through it, uh, the first thing that struck me was that you're really funny. Thank you. Uh, how do you think uh, it, being an introvert plays into that? I think it's a big part of it. It's not the only part. Sure. I mean, I, I tell people that, you know, I am the way I am because I'm a, I'm an introvert, but I'm also the way I am because I have this head for comedy. So, yeah, yeah. The, but, you know, you talk a lot about in the book about how you introverts spend a lot of time in their heads. That's correct. And that's a great way to develop uh, a really funny comedic voice, right? I think so. And, and I think one thing that separates comedy writers from other people is that uh, – and I'm certainly this way. Is I'm most of the time when I'm observing things, I'm thinking about where's the joke in that. Yeah, right. Uh, Do you think that that's part of um, an introvert sort of reaction to like, how do I feel safe and comfortable here in this moment? Uh, let me let me find the comedy in the moment, and that's how I can feel comfortable. I think in some cases it is. Yeah, but I think there are introverts who don't think about jokes. Sure. Yeah. They just think about so panic. They think about <laughs> they think about other things, and I, and I have to admit, I mean, I'm there are times when I'm thinking about things that aren't aren't about jokes. When you know, I've, I talk a lot about uh, you know obsessing about things and sure. running conversations through your head again and again sure. and again. Yeah. So uh, comedy is just one of those things. Yeah. How many times have you done that? Replayed a conversation over in your head a thousand times that you wish went well, differently. <laughs> about, about eighteen hours a day. <laughs> Well, that's good. And then the other hours you're sleeping. That's true. Well, you got to rest. You know, t- <laughs> obsessing takes a lot out of you. Um, I should say that, and I didn't know this until right before we went on air because I never um, – I've been super busy, which is not an excuse, but I never took the time to read the back jacket. You actually are a comedy writer, and you worked for Leno and Letterman. Uh, yes, I was one of their freelancers, which means okay. it was a perfect job for an introvert, which means that you – you sit at home, you write the jokes, and you send them to them. Right, and then the other writers go through them yeah. in the writer's room and decide. Yeah. Uh, do you have a recollection of one of your funnier jokes that w- that w- made it to air? Um, one of the last jokes I got on for Letterman mm-hmm. was a joke that actually um, it appeared in the New York Times because it was when he was going off the air. They took pictures of him working, and, and there was a picture of him – was over the, over the his back back of his shoulder looking at a cue card. They were pr- getting ready to uh, pr- they were pr- preparing for a show. Mm-hmm. So he's going over this joke on a cue card. Right, and it was my joke. And the joke was um, in New York they were thinking about uh, decriminalizing uh, public urination. And my <laughs> my punchline was. Uh, they were going to do it gradually. It was going. To, it was for, at first. It was going to be alternate side of the street urination. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's so, funny. But, so, but but I have that picture on my wall, and to me, it's the perfect introvert picture because I, I'd rather yeah, have the a man pic- behind the man. It's actually yeah. your point of view well, of what your well, comedic writing life was like, right? That and also, I, I think I'd rather have a picture of my joke written on a card 
than me with Leno. Oh, right, <laughs> right. Or Letterman. Now, I should have asked you before, but we did just take a photo of you and me, as I always do with my guests here, and that might go on social media unless you don't want it to. How do you feel about no, that I, as I'm an on, introvert? <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on social media. I, I, I have to admit, it is kind of a challenge, not, not so much that – well, I guess this probably has something to do with it. I, I tend to just write funny things and post them. I'm yeah. probably as an introvert, it's a little bit harder for me to well, that's good. to engage with people. Yeah, but uh, well, I, I certainly think that's much more healthy than the opposite of that, which most people do is just post angry things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and try to be too engaged well, with I, other I, I people. Do fa- I do fake anger. So, uh, fake. Well, angry fake things. anger is fun yeah. because it it makes fun of the the uh, craziness that goes on in that world. Well, someone just, you know, once again reminded me, you got to write about yourself on, online. And I was trying to think, what can I do? Speaking of anger, so I, I decided just to make something up about myself. So I posted this story that I, I appeared at a, at a bookstore promoting my book and a gang of extra, extroverts burst in and there was a big <laughs> fight. And uh, I described this fight we had. So I thought that's, that's a... That's a step in the right direction. That's for amazing. Me. I love that. Again, it's it's um, making light of the struggle that you've had, and also making light of the insanity that goes yeah. on 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 social media and in the world where we just like to pick a stance and argue with each other, for apparently no reason. Uh, the one of the most recent ones, um, and I'm going to read a little bit of your book that sort of ties in. There's a funny football story in there, but one of the most recent ones, the Super Bowl, was just this past weekend, and. You know, now the country's divided on was that appropriate or not. You know, I have my own opinions about it. I don't particularly think it was. I think it was a little over the top for me. But so what? What's the big deal? Like, uh, are we really going to sit here and waste time now arguing over whether we think Jennifer Lopez should have had a stripper pole on stage at Super Bowl? (laughs) I mean, what's the point in that? (laughs) Uh, It's something to talk about, I guess. I guess, yeah. We have this tool to do it. Right, yeah. So again, I mean... That's sort of the point, right? Like any tool can be used for good or, uh, or bad or can be dangerous, right? You can yes. use a hammer to build a house or to knock somebody in the head. Uh, there's a good choice there and a not so good choice there. <laughs> um, so here I'm going to uh, jump into now that I just brought up football in the NFL and now that everybody's sad that football season's over. Uh, there's a, a page in your book that says NFL prospect announces he's an introvert. Leon Sawzall Sanders, a bruising linebacker for the Alaska State University Salmon, announced Tuesday he's an introvert. The NFL prospect is poised to become the league's first openly introverted player. I understand the implications, he said. No one has done this before, but it's going to be me, then so be it. Hopefully with a minimum of high-fiving and chest bumping. <laughs> uh, so, And then it goes on, and it's really funny. Again, I, the book is Thank You for Not Talking. A Laughable Look at Introverts by Ben Alper, available on Amazon. I just like the way that you approach this thing that's obviously been very difficult for you in your life. Uh, We even had an exchange on email when we were setting this up. Well, uh, at least you learned to laugh at it and you've gotten over it or something like that. And I think you said, well, I'm not sure I've gotten over it yet. (laughs) Well, you know, the way I got the idea for this book was – I'd been writing for Leno for years, and he was just finishing up. And I, at that point, I had no idea. I didn't know, realize that I was going to get an offer to go with Letterman. So I thought this was going to be it. And I said, well, I, I should write something about myself. 
I thought, which is probably the hardest thing for me to do. Right. But I said, what do, what do I know about myself that, that I could write about? Yeah. And I, that would be interesting. So finally I just said, well, I'm an introvert. I know that. So that, that's how this got started. Yeah. Um, but I should also say, and this just occurred to me, and this had nothing to do with that particular piece you just read. I remember in high school I played football, and I liked to play football, but I just didn't like the team aspect of it. Everyone <laughs> touching each other, everyone yelling and screaming and patting each other. And I remember uh, there was this uh, thing that they used to do before every game to get everybody psyched up and in the spirit of the thing. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the team would form a circle and they would take a ball and they would pass it around and you'd get the ball and you'd jam it into the guy's stomach next to you and then eventually it would come around and it would someone would jam it into your stomach. And I would always just kind of wander off when they did that. <laughs> and I remember my mother saying, how come every time they make that circle you're just kind of wandering off? <laughs> right. So I guess that that was a, a sign of things to come, or things that were. Yeah, th I think more things that were, yeah. right? Again, this is one of those things that uh, the reason why I was interested in this topic right away is because I'm by nature an introvert too. Uh, most people think I'm full of crap when I say that. That's because I've worked very hard to overcome it. Uh, my safe space and the place where I like to be is sitting in the background listening and watching. Um, but I felt the calling to come to the foreground and – host a conversation on different media platforms about the challenges that we all face in life. And I think this is one of them that's not really talked about enough. You know, some kids are just built that way and they shouldn't have to feel weird or different because of it. We're all weird and different in some way. Um, and I think that embracing our uniqueness, whatever it is, uh, is helpful. And so that's why I, I really enjoy this conversation. And, and, and as I sort of touched upon, uh, and you agreed in in part, you know, I think the benefit of being an introvert is you've spent so much time in your head that it's made you incredibly funny. <laughs> and now that can be dangerous and can go too far. Um, but you talk about that a lot in the book in, in various funny ways. Um, uh, so talk to me about what that looks like for you and, and – you know, we joked about that that's 18 hours of the day you're spending time inside your own head. Have you found how has that worked? How has it held you back? How has it propelled you forward? Have you found ways around it? Um, yeah, in some ways it hold, it's held me back, and I don't want to attribute everything to um, being an introvert. But I think if you spend a lot of time by yourself, your, your network of people you know is not quite as big mm. as you would like. Sure. Which makes it harder to do certain things, you know. For example, I don't have 20 podcasts <laughs> calling me up going, hey, come on in. Uh, right. In that way. But in terms of I'm never sitting there going, oh, God, I wish I was out at a party with a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> Same. But, but Although I, I do but go I wish, to a lot of them, but I'm never, I never feel great about it when I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> but when I, when I need a favor or something, I, or, or need something, I, to be done, I, I do think, you know, if I knew more people, uh, I'd have more people I could call. Sure. So I mean, in that way, it, it you know, if you don't mind that, it doesn't doesn't really matter. Yeah. I also find that as I get older, I'm 
more comfortable with it. Sure. Uh, I've noticed that, uh, you know, w when writing this book, I just kept reading as much as I could about introverts online, mostly blogs and stuff. Yeah. And I found that the most of them were written by younger people going through a lot of angst. Mm. And I could see that that was me many years ago. Part, yeah. part of the nice thing about getting a little bit older is you go, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, uh, I have you heard Seinfeld's bit about that, about the 60s? When you get into the 60s, you, you get a case of the, I won't use the word he used, but you get a case of the efforts. Yeah. You just don't care, <laughs> right? Things aren't, and I think that you're right. As you get older, and I've seen that, I'm only in my mid-40s, but, I, you know, I've start to see that already, that, you know, things that you think mattered before tend to matter a little less and there's a little more perspective on what's really important and what's not and what you should be worked up about and, and what you shouldn't be worked up about. Yeah, a lot of that I think is just wisdom that comes to you. Sure, sure. I, do, I also found that, and I could relate to this more when I was younger, is I, I didn't make an effort to really make a point to this book, but I think if there is a point that I think would be helpful to some people, it's that so many introverts, particularly younger ones, the young introverts out there, uh, <laughs> you they, millennial they, and you, Gen Z you go introverts, through, you go through life thinking, "What is the matter with me?" Right. And I was like that. Yeah. And that's I've discovered. You know, that's in. in saying I'm researching this book was a bit of a stretch, but the one thing I, I realized reading this is, oh yeah, I'm not the only person. Yes. And I found so many so many instances as I'm reading about introverts where the person writing it, writing it said, you know, I just, I went through life thinking there was something wrong with me. Yeah. And then I realized, no, it's just that I'm an introvert. Right. And I think um, that's something I think as you get older, I think you realize it, or again, maybe you just don't care. Yeah. But I, I, I would hope that if, if, if anybody got anything out of this book, it's that, oh, look, I'm not, I'm not the only one who thinks like yeah. that. And again, that's why I'm excited, and that's why it fits into the podcast, because this podcast, being an extension of the Zelosophy brand, is, is largely about that. Whatever version of that is that you have, whether it's being an introvert or something else, we all have things that we carry around with us that make us uncomfortable about yeah. ourselves. Um, and realizing that we everybody goes through challenges and we all have things to overcome and things that we battle and it's okay. And we should realize that that other person that you think has it all together and has it all figured out absolutely does not. You know, I just recently had lunch with a friend of mine's son who's 20 years old and trying to get into the music business. So, you know, I gave him, you talked to him a little bit and mentored him and, you know, sort of told him about the music business and about, you know, finding himself and finding his passion and his true path that, and all that kind of stuff. But one, I think probably the most important thing I said to him based on his reaction was that, you know, what I've learned is that um, we never figure it out. Right? Yeah. It's a constant thing of figuring little pieces out here and there, but there's never a time where all of a sudden you're like, oh, I get it, and I get all of it, right? That that just doesn't happen. Or, or you we do get more and more, <laughs> but you never sit there and go, okay, I'm done figuring it out now. Or you do <laughs> feel like you figure it out, and then an hour later you go, oh, no, wait a minute, I don't know anything. 
Exactly. <laughs> That's how it works. The, the universe likes to be cruel like that. Oh, you think you got it figured out? Uh, here you go. That's why, you know, my book, I used the vehicle of golf to tell the story about self-awareness because golf's a great game like that. As soon as you think, oh, man, I got it. It's all clicked. One hole later, suddenly it's all gone and no one knows why. And that's how life goes, yeah. right? Um, so as an author, have you done, and an introvert, have you done many book signings? And how, do, how does that work for you? How actually, does that feel? I, actually, I've just started. I mean, I had a book party. and uh, So you actually I'm, purposely I'm, put on a party where other people would be there. Actually, my, my wife, <laughs> oh, who is an extrovert, okay. who that's, is a— uh, That's a good choice in partners. Well, it can be good. It can be bad. In this case, it was good because yeah. you, you do need – sometimes you need that extrovert to pull you out of it. Absolutely. Um, but she she loves to throw parties, so she threw a book party for me. And it, it was very it was very nice. People think oh, – people, or people thought this is going to be really tough for you, but it, it really wasn't because I knew everybody there. Right. My, my, my definition of hell is going to a party where you don't know anybody. Right. And you uh, have to start from scratch with everyone. Yeah. And do uh, for, is it, for me, like the worst thing in the world, not the worst thing in the world, but in that situation, the worst thing is the small talk when you're at a party and you don't know someone and then you have to like pretend that you give a crap about these little trivial things that people say to each other at parties because they're uncomfortable. <laughs> Is that something that you struggle with too? Oh, yeah, and I've written a lot about it. Yeah. And I mean, I can think of, I'm not as bad now, but I can think of, uh, well, I can think of one instance when I when I lived in Los Angeles and I went to a party. I would say this was my first celebrity party and I'm standing next to someone who wasn't a celebrity. It was someone who I kind of knew. But I remember just sitting there going, I can't think of anything to say. What do I do? Right. And I remember just sitting there struggling and struggling. But inside I'm saying, say something, say something. But I couldn't think of anything. So that happened. That's, uh, so did you end up saying anything or did you just kind of like I might have said, well, excuse off. me, I have to go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> right. That's <but>, something. Uh, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah. You know, that, but that's – I'm not as bad as I used to be, but it's still not something uh, – Something I, I look forward to. Yeah. I, to me, in those situations, it's like, um, you know, when somebody just comes out of left field and starts talking about something really deep or philosophical, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, cool. Now I can connect to that. Now we can talk. But like the little patty cake, the verbal patty cake of, hey, I'll say some small talk and then you say some small <laughs> talk. And we neither of us care about anything that we're saying. We're just killing time. Like that drives me batty. I don't know what to do in those situations. Uh, so I usually just, you know, kind of remove myself or try and drive it towards a meaningful conversation because that's where I'm most at ease, uh, which is a weird thing for me if, as an introvert. But obviously, if you've read my book or heard my podcast or seen my new TV show, uh, you know, uh, I'm a pretty philosophical guy. So that's where I'm comfortable. So if you want to start talking about philosophical things right away, I'm in. If you want to talk about, you know, sports and politics, and I can do that for a few minutes, but then I'm incessantly bored and just trying to find a way out. Well, that's another thing that I think makes it tough for introverts because small talk is our, a way to kind of a bridge to other relationships and things like that. And, yeah. and if you're not good at it or you avoid it, uh, it doesn't help. But, right, right. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so you you had just shared uh, before we went on air that you and your wife moved from the suburbs into the city. Now, as someone who's uh, an introvert, this might be an interesting choice <laughs> later in life to go towards the people <laughs> instead of away from them. Most would, and I'm sure you had this internal conversation and struggle on, on some level of, we're going in the wrong direction. We should be heading west, not east. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of interesting because, yes, you're living with a lot of people. And this is, <coughs> this is the first time I've ever lived in a building mm. where your neighbors are above you, below you, and all around you. Right. Um, not even in L.A.? You didn't? No, I lived in uh, I lived in a house with somebody, yeah. and uh, then I lived in a very small apartment complex, you know, with maybe four gotcha. units. Yeah. This is yeah. this is a, a bigger An building, actual, like living in a hotel. Yeah, but a- another thing you learn is that there are people in the building who just aren't friendly; <laughs> they don't say anything to you. Yeah, and. Um, it's, but that's it's that's kind of like okay with you, I would that's, imagine. That's okay. Right? Yeah, I don't know about you, but for me. I try to keep some sort of a safe distance with my neighbors. Sometimes you build friendships and relationships that that's silly to to do that. But in general, like when I'm home, that's my safe space to to be alone or be quiet or just have some time to myself. And like my worst nightmare is when I'm in that space to have like, you know, and again, this sounds ridiculous to say because it's nice to have people that want to talk to you and hang out with you. But this is how it works for me as an introvert is like, I don't want to talk to anybody right now. Please don't come over and bring me food or anything. I just want to, you know, I need my space to decompress. I'd like that. But the insecure part of me says, oh, did I offend so-and-so because I didn't say hi to her? Right. Um, Yeah. And uh, did, I don't really feel I'm offended by someone who doesn't say hi to me. There's yeah, certain no, people I'm, I know by this point. I, I'm not, like I said, I'm my close neighbors. I prefer it that way. Not I, I'm, I've learned to do the dance. There's a balance there, right, where you're friendly enough so they don't think that you're a jerk, but not so friendly that they want to talk to you all the time, right? Um, and... I think that as a child, when I was an introvert, people assumed that I that I was a confident kid, and I wasn't. Um, certainly not internally in my head. It may have appeared that way to other people, um, but you know, I was often mistook as conceited and arrogant and uh, standoffish. But really, I was That's just... That's basically me. Yeah. <laughs> but really, I was just a wreck, and yeah. I didn't want to engage with other people because I didn't know how it was going to go, right? Um, so, yeah, talk to me about your your version of that. Well, I, uh, sometime in the past few months, uh, my wife and I got together with this couple, and the, the, the husband went to high school with me. And uh, my wife said to him, what was Ben like in high school? <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking I was this nervous wreck like you. Yeah. And uh, and he said, oh, I thought he was one of the cool kids. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm going, and I'm thinking, well, uh, that that's not certainly not how I saw myself. I get that a lot, too. And believe me, I worked really hard to portray that image and be a part of that crowd because that's where I wanted to be. And I think that, again, that's the important part of this conversation for any kids living out there. I spent a lot of my childhood trying to be quote-unquote normal. 
when I'm not normal uh, by any measure, really. <laughs> but none of us are really normal by the measure. I mean, we're all different and unique in some ways. Yeah. And so trying to pretend that we're just like this group, whatever that group is, is just a fallacy and a, and a weird thing to do. But it's something that we all do because that makes us feel comfortable. And the point is that, you know, we should realize that, that it's okay to feel not normal. Once we figure out what normal is. <laughs> right. I'm not and, sure I want to figure yeah. that out. <laughs> and, and on top of that, I was also a very shy person. Yeah. which is a different thing and and well is that people that's are, because of the intro no well, it, it, just, introversion is different from shyness shyness is basically a fear of being judged mm. uh in, introversion is more just leave me alone i'm i'm happy with it <laughs> right know? so it. Yeah, yeah but i no, mean i definitely had both of those too but i mean i i went you know i Particularly in, in earlier relationships, I just, the thing, and, I, and like most introverts, I just hated hearing, you know, why are you so quiet? Mm. Particularly now when I would love to say, why do you talk so much? <laughs> right. You know? Which well, I can't do. Well, that's the funny thing. It's like, be careful what you wish for, right? Because there's, there's this buildup of all these thoughts in your head of things you could have said in those moments. Most of them people probably wouldn't have liked. <laughs> well, they still wouldn't like it. I still, don't, I still don't think it's fair that someone could say to me, why are you so quiet? And I can't say, why do you hog the conversation? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, I recently had that in a, uh, I've been practicing yoga for quite some time now. And I've had many funny yoga teachers over the years, which I really like because it adds a, a really cool dynamic to it. And I said to one recently, like, Oh, I had all this list of funny things I could have said in your class the other day. And she's like, oh, well, you should just, you should just uh, shout them out. And I said, no, I don't think that that would be good for the class because once I start, then it, I'm not sure it, I can turn it off. <laughs> and then it's just me being a goofball for the whole class and nobody's getting their yoga practice and their workout in. Um, but I think that one thing that you said about the high school person and something I've talked a lot about on recent podcasts and, and in general lately is that it's interesting to hear from other people how they view us, whether we're introverts or not. Um, because, and I've recently said a lot too, that I'd just like to spend one day in the headspace of how other people see me as opposed to how I see myself. Because <laughs> they're apparently very different things. Probably. <laughs> Um, so have you had other experiences like that with the high school friend where you've gotten that flash of like, oh, this is how they see me. Weird. I don't see that at all, but I get it now that they say it. Well, since I didn't exactly get around socially in high school, that's not, not a lot of high school Yeah, people. but later, later in life, I mean, um, because that, I'm, I'm assuming that behavior of being quiet and introverted and shy didn't all of a sudden end when you graduated. Oh, no. They gave you your introverted diploma. Now you're an extrovert. <laughs> Here's your PhD. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how to answer that. I... I'm not sure there was even a question yeah. there, so <laughs> that's fair. Um, if uh, You know what we can do is I got some other things I wanted to read from your book. Let's do that. Uh, there's a top 10 introvert sexting lines, and I won't read all of them because I do like to make this show for kids too. Not that there's anything yeah. bad over the top here, but um, there's a couple that I really like. 
number five, you're like my annoying boss. I can't stop thinking about you. <laughs> That's hilarious. And then another work-related one, which is amazing. Uh, you wear me out like a 25-minute organizational meeting. <laughs> um, so you talked a little bit about how listening to other people and there's a, a soundtrack in your head going, is this person ever going to stop talking? Is that what you mean with that joke about the organizational meetings? That it's just draining to listen to other people. Yes. I mean, well, particularly if it's a meeting where you're not interested in the, the, in the content. In the content. <laughs> yeah. But there are meetings that just go on and on. And, and um, I have a, a, a little vignette in there. It's, it's, it's an advertisement for a product called Zip It, <laughs> which you spray when someone won't stop talking. And, oh. the, and the, 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 Wouldn't I, that be the amazing way, if that yeah. existed? Well, the way I got the idea for that is I was visiting a friend or a friend of my wife's who was an introvert, and she said, boy, you know, we were just talking about things that drive introverts crazy. She just talked about being in meetings where you just can't get a word in edgewise. Right. And I th think that's, that's just a more subtle thing, but it's, it's, it's not so much um, people talking and talking. That is annoying. But it is, in, um, it is frustrating for, for an introvert who finds it harder to interrupt people. Yes. To get an, a word in edgewise, whereas right. I've been with some groups. Because there's an extra barrier that you've – there's the barrier of them talking that they won't stop to yeah. give you space. And then there's the additional barrier of your internal voice telling you, don't say anything. You're going to sound stupid yeah. or whatever whatever that sounds or it's like just, to you. It's right? just hard. You don't – I feel like it's – I'm being rude if I interrupt someone. Yeah, I can think of this one group of people that in the past – I've gotten together with, and a lot of them are newspaper reporters, and it's 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 a very entertaining group to listen to. But I, you know, the one thing I always notice is everyone's jumping in, jumping in, jumping in. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm perfectly happy to sit there and not say a thing because it's just so entertaining. Right. But it's hard. It's yeah. I just feel because that's one of the benefits of being an introvert. You just touched on is the uh, hobby and passion of people watching. Yeah. Because people are fascinating. So if you can just sit there and quietly watch, it's a pretty interesting show. <laughs> but then it does become awkward when you're just the one sitting there watching and not participating. Right? Well, and sometimes people will say then after, boy, you, you, was something bothering you? You weren't saying anything. And I'd go, no, I really enjoyed this. But I, you know, I just, I just enjoyed sitting there listening. I didn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, that's a fun thing to do. Um, you also, you mentioned to me that you have a couple of newsletters that you put out. Oh, I know. I, I just, I forgot something and now I, it, it returned to me. Before we go to that, I have an idea for you. And I don't know if it, it might already be in the book because as I told you, I haven't read the whole thing yet. Um, <laughs> an introvert support group where everybody just sits there and nobody says anything. <laughs> Is that a concept you've explored yet? Well, funny you should ask that because in promoting this book, I've called a couple of libraries and I found this thing online. I won't mention the city. And I saw this thing. It was, uh, they were advertising their introvert book group. Yeah. And I'm going, what, you know, what is that? Because I've seen that a few times and it's basically for introverts who don't want to 
get into a book discussion group where they're talking and talking and talking. So that they have these groups where they just sit there and read, and then at the end maybe someone will talk. <laughs> so I mean, this is a great premise for a comedy sketch, well, right? <laughs> well, what happened was I, I um, found this on a website, and there was an email address. So I sent sent an email saying, "Look, I'm uh, you know if you want to kind of break things up, I could come and talk to you." Talk, yeah. to, talk to the group about uh, introverts uh, and my book. Right. And uh, the person wrote back and said, well, apparently these are very serious introverts because no one ever showed up to do the group. <laughs> so, I, I should, shouldn't laugh, but that is funny. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, you know, that's a great, I mean, that, that's, I imagine this, you know, that was the thought in my head, either that sitting in a room not talking to each other or it's a virtual a support group where they're just connected online, but again, nobody's <laughs> typing anything. They just know someone's there. Um, so uh, the book is "Thank You for Not Talking" by Ben Alper, a laughable look at introverts, and the website is bennettalper.com. B e n n e t t a l p e r dot com, and you have a couple newsletters that people can sign up for on there. Uh, talk about, tell us about that. Well, years ago, I started uh, a couple of friends, you know, my basic routine for writing for uh, comedians is I would, I just got started that this doing this at a certain point, I would, whatever I sent, submitted to these shows, I would send to friends and I just, I just it became a habit. Mm. So then when I start, stopped writing for the shows, I just continued these letters as uh, subscription newsletters. Oh. That's great. So I once a week now I have two I have two newsletters. One is just um, news in general. That's called Ben Alper's News and Jokes, and the other one is uh, news f for Massachusetts. Ah. Uh, called Bay State Bomb. That's what this one is that you yeah. handed me. H however, lately I've been getting emails from subscribers going, "Well, why don't you do something about Manhattan?" Manhattan. Or why don't you do something about Cleveland, where I live? And I'm thinking, sure. well, it's called Bay State Bombast. <laughs> but I think I'm going to start doing other cities. Do offshoots. I'm going to be travel virtually traveling around and doing jokes about other cities with that one now. That's so, great. You know, you write me. I will uh, add you to the list, and you'll get uh, two, one or two. Uh, well, I'm definitely going to sign up, and you can do that at bennettalper.com. Let me read one that. Uh, made me laugh out loud right in front of you. And this is from today, actually. You put this out. Former Governor Deval Patrick has outraised all other presidential competitors in Massachusetts, greatly improving his chances of being elected president of Massachusetts. <laughs> uh, that's just funny to me. <laughs> and uh, We don't get into a lot of politics here, but I always thought it was weird that he jumped in the race so late. And what to what end? I don't know. Uh, but... I think you nailed it there. He could win Massachusetts. Probably could. <laughs> and it's a funny way of addressing that uh, that thing. Here's a Tom Brady one for you Patriots fans that out there that are concerned about what's going to happen with Tommy. Uh, it's been reported that Patriots are willing to pay Tom Brady more than $30 million to keep him in New England, plus pay for his AARP gold membership card. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, here's here's a Tom Brady small talk. 
thing that happened to me yesterday. Okay, great. I was walking uh, my dog, Dexter. So who's Hi, I, Dexter. I, I have to give him a plug. He's, yeah, he's the a little shout out to Dexter. World's greatest West Highland Terrier. Nice. And um, there was a woman who lives in this place we live who uh, I, I see a lot, and she— I don't know her name. I know her dog's name, like most right. dog owners. You yeah, know? especially you know, like, introverted dog owners, right? <laughs> yeah, so normally we just say, hello, how you doing, and talk a little about the dogs and go on. Yeah. And um, yesterday she said to me, what do you think's going to happen with Tom Brady? And I, she'd never said anything. <laughs> and and I'm, So she knows nothing about you except for your dog. Oh yeah, to this point doesn't know anything, and and I started to talk to her, and and, and I said, "Well, did you did you hear something?" <laughs> and she said, "No, I was just w- wondering." And then I realized I have this. I was wearing this Patriots hat, so that's uh, why. And I thought, and then it. she she left. You know, we we said goodbye and we walk away, and I and I go, "Oh, that was small talk." She was just engaging right. in small talk, right. trying to be nice. Yeah, I I was definitely when I was a dog owner, which I haven't been for many years because I've bounced around so much but i was definitely learned the dog's name but not the owner's name as an introvert don't want to get too close to this person don't want to be forced to have small talk every time our dogs want to sniff each other <laughs> so that's a, another it's, it's funny an un- topic it, for an introvert yeah right? it's an unusual crowd because it's uh everybody does that yeah yeah i, not, I, I can name even. all the dogs in the neighborhood i can't name the owners <laughs> right uh and you know especially being in the city in, in a big building, you would, I'm sure, you run into all the people bringing their dogs in and out oh, yeah. as they do from a big building. It's not like you let the dog out back uh, and then you stay inside like, you know, people in the suburbs do or whatever. <laughs> um, so uh, are you, now that you're living in the city or, and your wife is an extrovert, are you going out to dinners? Are you going to theater and shows? Um are you going out and people watching as an introvert, not talking to anybody and just walking around and taking in the scenery? What's your, what are your favorite things to do we, now that we you're a city about, dweller? We do about what we normally did before. Yeah. And I have to say this. In some ways, and I think one thing I've learned from this book is that there are lots of introverts out there who don't know they're introverts. And my, yeah. my wife has a lot of introvert in her in that. She is a writer. Mm. I think she does like to, you know, sit and work. Yeah. So we're doing the same thing. Um, I should also say that I've noticed that whenever we go to a party, um, usually the way it ends is I will eventually find someone that I enjoy talking with. And at some point she says, come on, let's go. Yeah, so, so it's, it's always <laughs> finally the, when you've become comfortable yeah. and you're you're having a good time. <laughs> but it's always the extrovert saying to the introvert, "Come on, let's get out of here." Yeah, I've had enough. Well, she, because uh, I'm I'm guessing, and I'm obviously putting an assumption on this, that an extrovert has made their way around the party and talked to everybody already, and probably. Right, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, people like you and me are inching along and like to find someone that you can just, like you said, I'm I'm a very similar in those situations. I don't like to bounce around to dozens of conversations. I like to find one that like, oh, this person's interesting and we can connect on some things that's beyond small talk. And maybe I learned something and they learned something and we have a fun conversation, right? 
I had a conversation with a friend um, a while back. We were out to dinner, and I didn't realize she was an introvert. And um, so she That's was That's why that, that fake article about the football player to me is so funny that he's coming out as an introvert because people, like you said, they don't, they don't even, either they don't know or they don't talk about it if they do. So yeah. it's funny that you just say, sorry, continue. Um, I confessed to her. I, I, I had a little con- introvert confession. I said, you know, when I'm at parties sometimes, or no, maybe all the time, <laughs> I have to admit if it's a, a loud, noisy party and I go into the bathroom and I shut the door, there's just something that feels so good about that. <laughs> yes. I just sit there and I go, ah, I just, I, I need that. And her, her eyes lit up, but she said, I did, I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's the, a little moment of zen, which yeah. is weird when you're going into someone else's bathroom to have that there. But it's the energy from all those people and, like you said, the noise. It's nice to have a little reprieve from that. Yeah. So for me, it's both because yeah. the energy can be draining. Uh, I've talked a little bit. I don't know how much you know about empaths and maybe – you can explore if that's something too, which is an empath you know, just takes on and feels everybody else's energy that's around them. And that can be a draining thing too. Just so to have those two things combined, parties can really be a downer. Not to mention for me, on top of all that, and again, I've done a lot of work, so that I don't mean to like make it out that I, I don't go to parties and don't enjoy them and don't function. But on top of all that, if I am in a moment like that, I did so much damage to my ears going to concerts when I was younger <laughs> that the one frequency that's pretty burnt out is the um, background noise of chatter. When I'm in a restaurant and I and you hear the constant chatter uh, and there's music playing in the background, uh, most of the time I can't hear the music over the chatter. It just sort of all washes together for me. I am amazed when I see people talking in a noisy situation like that, and they seem to understand what they're saying. And I'm <laughs> yeah. going, I don't get this. I can't hear it. Right. You have to become a pretty good rip, lip reader, right? Um, so you talked a little bit about what made you write this, but you also said you did it, told me you did it over, uh, started about four years ago, so it took you a little while. I assume you just wrote some things. What was the process well, like? I started off, I said, I'm going to write a book. I have no idea. It's going to be about introverts. And essentially what I did is I just started writing these vignettes and posting them on a blog. Mm. But I didn't know how it would, it would um, gel together, gel together and, until uh, a friend of mine sent some of it to a, her agent. And then the agent got back to me and said, let's make this into a book. And I said, okay. And then she said, okay, write a proposal. And in the proposal, you had to write a table of contents. And I went, oh, I don't know. So then, then it it just took a it just took a long time yeah. to figure out how I was going to organize the book, and it's still a pretty in structure. It's pretty scatter shot. Um, yeah, but again, I like that because you can flip to any page yeah. and and get the joke and get the message quickly. Yeah, so it's easily digestible. I, I mean, I still like. think of it as a joke book. I mean, I still I I think as a joke writer. Yeah, and, clearly. And, I mean, like I said, I was reading this and not knowing anything about you because oftentimes I don't like to do research because I like to get to know someone on the air. 
Um, also, it's an excuse to be lazy and busy and doing other things. But I think there is something to the authenticity of getting to know someone on the air. But in reading and scanning through this book, like, I don't know what this guy's deal is, but he should be a comedy writer. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, it turns out you have been for many, many years. Well, that's – I think that's one thing I know about myself. Uh, my wife is a fabulous writer. Yeah. I'll give her a little shout-out. Her name is Monica Collins. Okay. She has a syndicated column called Ask Dog Lady. Oh, right. And she had a show here at she one point show, at, yes. in Lex Media. Um. And I always say she's the writer of the family, but and you're the wise ass. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> the, the quiet wise ass. But uh, with her, everything is a story. Yeah. Uh, I, do, I with me, everything is a funny line. Okay, and how yeah. do I put that together? A zinger. Yeah. So uh, I I do have a little a, a number of short essays in there. Um, but you mentioned about um, comedy writing, and we talked about your writing for Leno and Letterman, uh, the the TV shows. But are there other Boston comedians that you've written for that that we would know? Any of the Stephen Wrights or any of those guys? Um, many years ago, I had, a, and this was a long time ago, I had a little comedy group, and Stephen Wright did some stuff for me. Oh yeah, I have. There are other people that you know. Norm, most of the time, when you write for someone, you can't reveal who they are. Got it. Yeah, I also right. write for business people and uh, some politicians, roast jokes, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but all as a ghostwriter. Yeah. And I think another challenge for— Which, is, which works for you as an introvert. <laughs> yeah, it works for me. Uh, and I have to say one of the challenges of this was— and this is, I think, one of the hardest things about being a joke writer is— being able to write in someone else's voice, mm. you know, Jay Leno, a Jay Leno joke is very different from a David Letterman joke. Right. It's very different from a Joan Rivers joke, who, who's right. someone I also wrote for. Right. Um, so when I finally got to the point where I said, okay, I'm going to have to write something about me. It was, it was a challenge. <laughs> no, how do I do that? Yeah. And at some point, my sister, who was helping me edit the book, said, You've got to refer to yourself in the first person. I, I said, I, I don't want to do that. Uh, no, she says, you've got to, just for consistency. Um, yeah. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's funny. It, I would say that's the hardest thing about writing jokes for other people is, is figuring out what they need and, and putting it in their voice and right. their sensibility. Right. But then when you hop back to what you want, you know, writing something about what you feel about Right. Uh, for me, that took took a little bit adjustment. Yeah, and is that what the blog is? Is your outlet of like, here's just some jokes that I'm writing for. It could be for anybody, so they're kind of in my voice. And then if I, somebody likes it, I tweak it to their voice. Are you talking about these? Yeah, or or no, anything these, in the past. Uh, uh, well, the newsletters are just. Um, you shared it's just yeah. a, an extension of what you used it's to a, do. It's what right. I used to do, and it's probably what I enjoy doing best. Yeah. If you ask me what I do, right? If, if if you ask me what I enjoy writing about the most, I'd say it's politics. Yeah. Uh, the tough part about writing for politics is if I write a joke this week about something that happened next week, it's it's gone. It's sure. You know, uh, well, it has yeah, a short. 
the, the, the short memory of anybody to do with politics because they're on yeah. to the next fight, whatever it is, right? Yeah. So, so if you write, if you read my newsletters, I would say they some jokes sound like Letterman, some jokes sound like little like me, some jokes sound like uh, Leno. Yeah. Have you found uh, so I. Uh, I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast a lot and some Bill Burr of his podcast. And they talk a lot about how, as comedians, things have changed recently where, you know, the cancel culture and the gotcha culture where everybody's become so sensitive. Uh, has that affected you at all? Or do you just keep writing what you think is funny and not pay much attention to that of how people choose to be offended so often now? There are some things I have to admit if I'm tweeting something and I know that, say, my niece is, <laughs> or nephew is looking at it and I think they might be a little offended if I – they might think that I was being a little insensitive. I won't do it. Yeah. But I've never, I've never been that uh, – I, I don't know. I've never pushed the boundaries so much that way. Right. I mean – you're not a, a, an offensive comedian, or a, a Don Rickles or a Lisa Lampanelli. No, no, You're I don't. Just trying to offend everybody equally. <laughs> to me, pushing the limits is writing something, and and you're thinking, well, will they understand that? Yeah. Um, and this is what I enjoy about my newsletters. There are things I put in there. Uh, you know, if, if you wrote something, say for Jay Leno, you assume that people kind of who are watching it his audience, they probably follow the news but not seriously follow the news. Yeah. Uh, I will write things in my newsletter where uh, I may refer to an author or I may refer to something where I know you, you have to really be following the news to understand this. Yeah. So maybe it's a little more esoteric. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I've never really done really outrageous stuff, and I, I think I just naturally know the boundaries. Yeah, you know, and politically too. I mean, everything is so charged nowadays that it's like <clears throat> just to write a joke about, you know, the president is, you know, people think you're taking a stance for or against him based on the joke, which isn't necessarily the case. Sometimes it's just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I take stances. Yeah, sure. Well, but I mean, I I know my audience who who is reading the uh, the newsletter, and I mean, I would say if you read Fox News all the t if you watch Fox News all the time and nothing else, you probably wouldn't want to subscribe to my newsletter. Right. Uh, right. But I mean, there are other things like, for instance, um, the um, coronavirus has just been all over the news, and yeah. you, you know. I can't think it's of anything. Like panic setting in, and we're. I mean, it's an interesting thing. It's yeah, I mean that's something where I I just don't touch it. Yeah. Because I, I just don't. Well, and we don't know really what's going to happen or where it's going to go from here yeah. yet. So, it's a dangerous thing to touch because something that might be funny now, in three weeks when the the news changes yeah. about it, maybe it's not so funny anymore. Right. It's it's I'll I'll tell you I mean it, it is really of everything I've done because I've done other kinds of writing too. Comedy is the toughest because it is so subjective, mm -hmm. and you know I, I get emails all the time from people who are on on these joke lists and someone may be offended by something not that often, but 
everybody looks at them differently. Sure. Uh, and yeah. the, you're never going to be able to please everybody. And that's why uh, it's kind of tough with uh, things like cancel culture. Yeah. Because... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is people try to make everything so black and white, but really, in reality, most of it's pretty gray. Um, and if you go so far in either direction, you just sort of lose. And, and, and uh, I think comedians like jazz, like I, I'm comparing it to jazz because I, I love jazz music, they have to be able to push boundaries at all time. Mm. And if you feel like I just cannot offend anybody, yeah. Uh, well, that's what the, these guys talk about: uh, Rogan and Chappelle and Bill Burr and those guys. Is that you know, they're not. They built a career on being funny in a certain way by pushing boundaries. Those guys a lot more than you, and they're not going to just stop now because a bunch of people are choosing to be offended more than ever. Right, I think, and that's a, one of the messages that I like to get out there when I talk to kids or when I do podcasts or even uh, on the show. I've actually got a, a funny skit I'm going to film this week, which is a support group for offended people called Offended Anonymous. Because people don't realize that being offended is a choice. And most of the time, it's not a choice that serves you very well. So there's definitely times where it's appropriate to be offended. I'm not saying that it's never appropriate, but most often it's not. And, like, what are you getting out of it? What are you benefiting by being offended right now, right? Like, that's the question I like to ask myself if I get my feathers ruffled. And then I can stop and go, all right, well, there's a slight chance that this being offended is going to drive me to do something positive. <laughs> and uh, most likely the answer is going to be, all right, just, just let that go and move on. Also, if someone hasn't offended you in 20 years and they say one thing, is it? Right. Now that all of a sudden know. that defines them. But I, I had someone on my joke list who had been on for years. So they just they were always writing me emails saying, oh, you're so funny. You're so funny. And I wrote one joke where I used, it had something to do with ISIS, but I equated it with Islam. Uh -huh. And that person was just so angry. And I'm just yeah. thinking, God, okay, I made one mistake. <laughs> right, know? right. Well, that's the thing is like, you know, uh, the, like we're talking about, the cancel culture has just gotten way out of hand. And, and not only that, it's like um, people, imagine if people started digging up all the jokes you wrote 30 years ago. You know, maybe some of those aren't as appropriate now as they were then. But it was 30 years ago. You can't frame that in through today's prism because we didn't know all the stuff we know now back then, right? That's how it works. Well, you know, um, last week when Kobe Bryant was killed, mm -hmm. just for the heck of it, I went back through my wreckage because I saved all my jokes and I uh -huh. said, what, what were we, because I remember Kobe Bryant got in, got in some hot water because yeah. he, a woman accused him of uh, raping her. Yeah. And I went back and I looked at all the jokes that, that I was uh, sending to Leno. I, I don't remember if any of them got on. Uh -huh. But uh, I'm thinking, boy, I mean, I hate to have someone uh, say, hey, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, look what right. he wrote about uh, Kobe Bryant. Right. And in that moment at that time, that was a, a really hot topic. So there were people making jokes about it. There were people mad one way or the other about it. And... Again, that's a perfect example because 
you know, I'm, I don't know about you, but I grew up a Celtics fan. So innately, I was trained to have a certain amount of hatred towards Kobe and the Lakers. <laughs> just, just how I was raised. Um, but when he was killed, um, obviously it was a very sad thing. And it made me stop and think, like, was that misdirected? And what was this guy really about? So I actually started to pay a little bit more at- attention and realized that, you know, something he put himself in a situation during that time that he's responsible for. He shouldn't have been there. We don't know what happened because it never went to uh, the, she never testified in trial, but we do know he made a bad choice. But here's the thing. We all make mistakes, right? Whether they're really big or not. What did he do after that, I think is an important part of that conversation. And looking back and piecing together over this last week and a half, it appears to me that he learned and grew a lot from that and became a really good whether he was before or not, was a really good family man and a good dad. And like, so, you know, uh, it was a good conversation of like, are we going to be remembered by our mistakes? Yeah. Which ties it back into your thing. If you made a mistake joke once, or, you know, of the thousands of jokes you've written in your life, you know, when your time comes, are we going to pull out? Well, he wrote that one joke. So, you know what? Screw that guy. I don't think that's a very fair way to look at people. That's the great thing about Harvey Weinstein. We can all agree. <laughs> there, was yeah. no, there was never a time where we anyone would be defending him. Right. And same thing with like uh, Bill Cosby, right? Like it's yeah. not – there's so many. Uh, and Dave Chappelle does a really funny bit about that. And, uh, yeah, you could say that's not something to joke about. But the joke is that it's so absurd that we all thought this was this clean guy. And then it becomes very clear at some point that – this guy is super demented, and we were all wrong about him. And that's you know somewhat debatable, but not really, right? Um, there's just too much, too much uh, uh, accused there, and some of it that he's actually been convicted for or whatever. But anyway, uh, all that to say, you know, as a joke writer, you have to take chances to be funny. If you're not taking chances, it's not that funny, right? Well, it's not that funny, but it's also not that interesting. Yeah, well, that, I mean, plenty of but times. But that's partially what makes things funny: is that interesting? Comedians, people, a lot of people don't know this. Comedians are very intelligent people. That's how. That's why they're so funny. It's true. Do, do you agree? I mean, yes. I, it's something I noticed, and I didn't know until when I was living in L.A. and I started hanging out at the comedy store and then talking to comedians. And when you're in L.A., they're everywhere, right? Yeah. And you realize, wow, these are really intelligent people and really, in some ways, introverted and dark with their intelligence. So you mix all that together, boom, you spit out a great comedian. It's uh, that and I just, and I just think you, you just have to – the comedians you find memorable are the ones who, I think, take the chances. Yeah. Um, I know Larry David is not everyone's cup of tea, but the one thing I love about him is I, I – is when I watch him and I have this feeling like uh, I can't believe he did that. Yep. To me, that's that's the nicest thing you can say. I can't believe yeah. he did that or, he or said that. He is not afraid to take a chance. Yeah. I think we can all agree on that. And I love Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I will say there's times where I've had to turn the channel because it made me so uncomfortable. I've always gone back and yeah. watched it eventually, but that's his gift is – He's so out there that he makes you uncomfortable. And that's funny because it's showing us like how easy it is for if we take a journey with someone, how easy it is to be made uncomfortable. And that's part of the human condition. 
<clears throat> I felt that way about Albert Brooks. I've always loved him. Mm -hmm. But people have said to me, oh, he just, I just feel so uncomfortable or he, he gives me the creeps. But yeah, I, mean, I well, I how just, about Andy Kaufman? I mean, that was, well, that was his comedy. Is the whole purpose was to make you uncomfortable. That was that was the joke, and a lot of people still don't get that. Yeah, <laughs> which is because it's super highbrow, intelligent comedy. Have you ever seen that? Uh, there's a great documentary on Netflix. Uh, I think it's called Jim and Andy or something like that about when Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman in the movie, and how basically Andy Kaufman's spirit overtook Jim Carrey and he became him. Uh, and just like the whole storyline of that. And then remembering, I was really small when Andy Kaufman was around, but I remember watching Taxi. <clears throat> that was the lighthearted comedy. Most people didn't know the real deep, dark, incredibly intelligent and incredibly strange comedy that he did. Uh, but uh, so we're, we're getting, we're at an hour now. You believe that? How fast did that go? Yeah, very quickly. Uh, so we're, don't worry, I'm not throwing you out here right away. All that to say, we're we're going to start sort of wrapping up. So things that you want to talk about before we do, or this is a good time for that. Well, I will say that uh, in thinking about pushing the limits, I, I never thought of the the introvert material that way. Mm. Uh, yeah, I you don't. Know, I mean, I never thought about my. I, I don't think this material it? is either. And yeah, so we it's, should, it's just it's just something different. We should say that I find it to be incredibly funny. And uh, again, um, I think one of the really good things that you bring here is that it's okay, and and not only okay, but actually really important to laugh at ourselves. Oh yes, to not take ourselves so seriously. And I think that you do a great job in this Thank book you. of doing that, of saying. I'm an introvert. I've struggled with this. It's been something that's challenged me my whole life. And yet I can still make fun of it because it's just a thing. And it's not that important one way or the other. Right? Yes. And I should also say that, and this has been the biggest surprise of this book in terms of the reception. So many people I never thought were introverts have read this and said they really liked it and identified with stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about who is this book for? And uh, I realize now that there's there may be this group of people out there who identify as introverts, but there is a just as large or even larger group of people who have certain aspects of introversion. You know, I, the, the biggest example I can think of is someone will say, I'm not an introvert, but I'll say, well, when you go out to a meeting, or if you're sitting in a meeting all day, do you do you ever come home and you just want to decompress? And, not and they'll talk say, to "Yeah." So there's various aspects of what's in this book that people have said to me, and it really surprised me. Yeah, I could really relate to that. So that's yeah. that's been a very pleasant surprise. Um, I think it's a really good point, uh, and you know, a really good marketing pitch too, <laughs> because it's actually true. I think that you just touched on something that's really important. Um, everybody's got a little bit of introvert. And you even said your wife is identifies and she's an extrovert and people think of her as an extrovert, but yeah. she's got introversion yes. uh, uh, aspects of her too. And everybody does. And that's why I think that this book is funny. So whether you're an introvert that's really struggled and you have tough time leaving home at times or whether you're just someone that's on the bus 
and wants to stare at your phone or read a book and not talk to anybody else. Which is everybody now. <laughs> yeah, which is everybody now. My dad still is 77, still rides the T five days a week. And he, you know, and obviously in his lifetime and in his career, things have changed drastically. Sure, there used to be a lot of that with people reading materials, but not everybody read. So people would look at each other and talk to each other. And now everybody just sits there with their neck cranked down and staring at their phone, whether they realize they want to or not. It's just like a, a natural reaction. Um, so the book is Thank You for Not Talking. And I will say, I'll do my little pitch now. Please do. This this ideally is, is it was described in the very beginning as an impulse buy. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great gift <laughs> for that introvert in your life or that nerd in your life or that uh, guy is. in the cubicle next to you in your life. <laughs> that never talks uh, to you, just leave it on his yeah. desk quietly. <laughs> yeah, so it's... it's uh, <laughs> if you ask me who is this book for, I, I would say ideally it's, it's, a great, it's a great gift item. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to read the whole thing at once. Yeah. You'll get something out of it. And um, essentially it's a great book if you like to laugh because yeah. that, that's... Well, that's my, my takeaway is that it's fun. And and this is really why I was interested is that one of the things that I do and that I like to talk about is the things that are really difficult and challenging, depression, anxiety, uh, introversion in this case. But we don't have to be serious talking about them. We can talk about them and have fun and laugh at it too. And isn't that like a great therapeutic thing to do is to – Open yourself up and talk about it so that you don't feel so weird and different than everybody else. And, you know, let out a little laugh because, you know, that's therapeutic in itself, just there alone. That's very true. So I, I really appreciate that you've done this and you brought this. And then you sat here for an hour and almost I'm nonstop <laughs> you l looked me in the eye, which I know is a challenge for you by reading your jokes in the well, book. Well, again, everything's a little exaggerated. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but it is a fun book. It's called Thank You for Not Talking. It's available on Amazon. As Ben said, it's a great gift. It's uh, listed at eleven ninety nine. Which is what so, you'll pay for it. So a very uh, affordable gift as well. The website is bennettalper.com with two N's and two T's, B-E-N-N-E-T-T-A-L-P-E-R. You can sign up for his newsletters there. Uh, and you can email him and invite him to a book party at your house and make him really uncomfortable when he signs books for people. <laughs> See, even the thought made you speechless so, somehow, there for a minute. Somehow I'll get through the evening. That's, that's it. And that's the point. Whether we're an introvert or we're dealing with something else, we find a way. Yeah. And if that vehicle is laughing or therapy or a support group or whatever, you don't find the way that works for you. Sometimes it's just art. You know, a lot of introverts... Are, are great artists because they pour their emotions into music or drawing or painting and, uh, you know, find an outlet, right? You found comedy and that's been a good outlet for you. It's, it's been my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for being here. I really appreciate your time and your, uh, I think, courage is overused in today's day and age. But I think that it applies here that it's, it takes courage as an introvert to come and talk about this stuff and talk about yourself. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Excellent. And uh, we'll have some more great podcasts coming at you soon. That's it for today. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Maybe.
Wow, wasn't that fun? I had fun. I hope you had fun. Uh, what an interesting guy, huh? We had a great conversation. It was nice to get to know him. Really interesting to hear his story about being a comedy writer and his uh, story about being an introvert and what's that, what that's like. And, you know, really cool that this book really can serve as a, as a fun and funny way for introverts to realize that they're not the only ones out there feeling that way. And again, that's part, in, in large part what this uh, podcast is for, is to talk about these types of things that, that we deal with and realize that everybody's dealing with something and that we can all support each other. So thanks for listening. Um, let's see, what are we going to promote today? Philosophy TV with Uncle Z and Friends is on YouTube. Go check out the pilot. Episode one is in production now. We're shooting a bunch of great stuff this week. Shot a really funny thing with old school Bobby trying yoga yesterday. Uh, we're going to do Nana Z making biscuits with her four of her grandchildren her actual grandchildren, uh, this Friday. So that's going to be fun. Keep an eye out for episode one. We'll be probably out in a couple of weeks, uh, say the third or fourth week of February should be live, but you'll hear more about it before then. Uh, Sunday, March 1st, I'm going to be at the National Golf Expo at the Seaport World Trade Center with Hardy from 98.5 The Sports Hub. We're going to talk philosophy on golf. Saturday, March 28th, I'm going to be in Nashville doing a public talk on... Uh, harmony and how we can use musical harmony to uh, as a metaphor for how we can build a harmonious society. Being that Nashville's a big music town, we're going to do some music talks there. And we're trying to raise additional funds so that I can go to a bunch of underserved schools there for inner city kids. There's a GoFundMe page for that too. Um, it's Bring Philosophy to Nashville. Actually, hang on, I have it right here in front of me. Uh, it is Brings Philosophy to Nashville. I was right. How about that? Who knew? Uh, so check that out. Thanks to Julie Manugian. Really busy here at Lex Media these days, so extra appreciative of her time. Always appreciative of the Lex Media Studios and everything that they do for me here. Theme song Surf by Captain Blackheart. Look them up on iTunes and Spotify. Find out more about me and Zilosophy at zilosophy.org. You can email me with any questions, comments, tell me off at info at zilosophy.org. Full disclosure, if you tell me off, I probably won't respond, but, you know, feel free to get something off your chest. Uh, Zilosophy on Golf is available on Amazon and paperback, Kindle and audiobook. And uh, I think that's enough for today. Thanks for listening. As always, we got some great episodes coming up. I got an astrologer coming. I got my dad and his best friend for like 50 years coming in uh, next week. We got some really cool stuff. I got a, a friend of mine from a uh, childhood friend who's into ayahuasca and goes to the Brazilian rainforest with shamans and does all this cool and weird stuff that we're going to talk about. So stay tuned to the Zilosophy podcast. Lots more coming at you soon. That's it for today. You're welcome.